This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Warning. The following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I'm here with my girlfriend Jessica. Hey! Hello, and today is part three into the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. If you guys have not listened to the first two episodes, go check those out. Part two was Monday, and the first part of this was the previous week. Yeah, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. It's up there. It's there. So yeah. So we're in part three. Okay. So in the last episode, we went over OJ's background into much more detail into the relationship with Nicole and OJ's book and all of that stuff and through the murders and the discovery of the bodies, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to just kind of like, we're going to back it up just a little bit, just kind of go over like the whole dog thing, okay? Okay. So on, so the date technically when all this started, it was June 12th, so just before 11 p.m., So Stephen was walking his dog, like Jessica had mentioned, and they came across the Akita. And they brought the Akita home, and he noticed that there was blood on the dog's paws and the dog's belly. And when they got there, the dog was just, like, acting really weird. So that's how our guy, Sucru Boz... I don't know how to say his last name. Boztip. Stephen had asked Sucru if he could keep the dog until the morning. And then they would go, you know, looking for Nicole or the owner. And Mm -hmm. originally he was like, "Okay, cool. Like, that's fine. Not a big deal. But let me go ahead and take the dog for a walk and see if we can find if it recognizes like where its house is, because a lot of animals can do that. A lot of cats, a lot of dogs, you know, it's pretty normal thing. Mm -hmm. And then like Jess told us, he alerted essentially in front of the house. And that was when they saw Nicole's body. And cops arrived just after midnight. They got there at 12.13 a.m. And one of the things that the neighbor had said was the dog looked at the right side of the street 
I saw the lady laying down. She was blonde. I could see her arm. There was a lot of blood. And they also stated that Nicole's body was in like a fetal position. And obviously, since if you've seen, if you're familiar with this case, you've probably seen at least some of the crime scene photos. And they are just completely fucking horrific. Mm -hmm. The whole, the whole thing. Oh, my God. So fucking horrible. So the first police officer to arrive on the scene said the master bathroom was lit with candles. The tub was full. The TV was on. A cup of half-melted ice cream was on the downstairs banister. And the kids were asleep upstairs in their rooms. That's like such, such a mindfuck, guys. Like, oh, my God. We're going to get into their autopsies a little later. But like, holy shit. To give a little bit of context. Nicole was stabbed 12 times and Ron was stabbed 25. Right. It's so many times. Mm-hmm. And then at 2.10 a.m., Detective Supervisor Phillips and Detectives Furman and Roberts arrive at the scene. Shortly after this, Phillips was notified that Detectives Tom Lange and Phil Vanater from the Homicide Special Section of LAPD's Robbery Homicide Division were assigned as the lead investigators on this case, and they arrived by 4.30. So there at the crime scene, they noticed several, several items to note. There was a set of keys determined to belong to Ron, a dark blue knit cap, believed to be the perpetrator's, a beeper, which was Ron's, a blood-spattered white envelope that contained the eyeglasses of Nicole's mother, which is why Ron was there, as we know. There was also a blood-soaked left leather glove that they believed to be the perpetrators. We will talk a lot about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we will. God. And leading away from the bodies towards the back of the property were shoe prints transferred onto the concrete from blood on the shoes. And on top of that, there was drops of blood as well, like a trail. And they believe this was also from the person and believe maybe they had some kind of wound on them or were dripping possibly the victim's blood. They weren't sure at this point, obviously. So at that point, They also find some other stuff as well that I wanted to mention. And they figured out that there was some blood on a nearby vehicle. And that was the white Ford Bronco that we come to know with this case. Okay, so one of the big things, obviously, once they figure out whose house this is, where they're at, all of that is notifying OJ because OJ is not there. Obviously, he doesn't live there. They're divorced right Mm -hmm. but because the children are there they obviously like they need somebody to come get the kids all of that stuff so detective ronald phillips calls him and says i got some bad news your ex-wife nicole simpson has been killed and oj says what do you mean she's been killed oh my god nicole is killed oh my god she's dead and at this point like jess had mentioned he was in chicago at this point right Mm mm-hmm So they had called him at his like hotel or whatever. And when later he is asked how OJ seemed on the phone, he said he got very upset, which it's like, obviously, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) right. If he was like, ah, cool. That would have been weird if he wasn't like, (laughs) okay. 
So, but, but keep in mind, the word murder isn't used when talking to Simpson with this. Mm-hmm. And so the kids, they are taken to the West LA police station and OJ asks, why do the police have my kids? And they said they took him or they took them because they had nobody to, who were they supposed to give them to? Right. You know, they're kind of like, what, what the fuck do you want us to do? So OJ he gets like an immediate flight to come back and all of that stuff. But before he leaves, he talks to Arnell, which is his daughter from one of his kids from his first marriage. And he arranges to have Arnell take the kids with them, you know, so that way they're not like just sitting there until OJ got back into town. Right. Right. Makes sense. Right. So this is also when detectives, they found out when they were like going there, because like you have to think he literally lived like f- five minutes. He was like so close to Nicole's house. Like his house was not far. No. So when they had went there, because this was like obviously they went there first and then they called him. They saw a white Bronco and the front wheels were on the curb with the back of the vehicle sticking out on the street. And they're like, that's weird. Who the fuck parks their car like that, right? And once they got closer to the vehicle and started looking, Detective Furman noticed what appeared to be a spot of blood inside the vehicle near the door handle. They called again, but no one was responding when they were looking at this. You know, they were looking around, all of that stuff. And that's when they obviously figured out like, oh, you know, OJ's not here. They called him. They got the things with the kids figured out. All of that good stuff, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So then Detective Phillips went back to the to Nicole's condo where it's like now 6.50 a.m. And this is when they got the coroner, to, you know, to come and get the bodies and all of that so they can do the autopsies. And that second, like, final call to get be like, OK, cool, you can come collect them like we've processed the crime scene was at 8.10 a.m. Okay, we're going to go through Nicole and Ron's autopsies real quick. Okay, so we talked about how they found the blood outside of the window, or window, outside on the Bronco, but there was also blood on the inside. He saw two red spots on the driver's side door and on the console between the two front seats. And then they discovered more blood leading to the front door of the main house. So, After they get the ME and everything to do the autopsies, which I'll get into in a second, they obviously get a search warrant for Rockingham, right? Mm -hmm. And when they are doing that, it is technically June 13th now because we're like into the next morning, right? And so when they were searching that house, they found a lot of stuff. So in all, 41 evidence. Items of evidence were collected from the Bronco, his house, and Nicole's house on Bundy. And they found from the evidence recovered from the glove found at Bundy's crime scene, it said it consisted of one hair from Nicole, fibers consistent with Ron's shirt, fibers consistent with his jeans, and dog hair from her Akita. Yeah, the hair was like on the seat where there was like blood Mm -hmm. smear. So it looked like in the pattern of the blood on that seat, it looked like it was a knife. So they were like, oh, that's interesting. 
Yes. And on the socks, they had blue, black, cotton fibers and blood from both both of them, from mm-hmm. Nicole and, and OJ, actually, with that. And if they were his, then it was like, OK, you know, then that would make sense why his blood was on there, that kind of thing. On Goldsman's shirt, they found a hair consistent with Simpsons, 25 hairs from Nicole, several hairs from the Akita, four fibers from Nicole's dress, several from the knit cap that they had also found, one fiber consistent with both gloves, a lot of blue and black fibers, several hairs consistent with Nicole on his pants, and same with the dog hair as well on Ron's pants. And on the cap, they found dog hair, 12 hairs matching Simpsons, not pulled or torn, several fibers consistent with Ron's shirt, one fiber consistent with the lining of both gloves, one fiber consistent with the Broncos carpet. So we got a lot of like contamination going on. Like way too much to be coincidental. Yes, because here's like... What was with the like the blood evidence from the Bronco? So there was blood matching OJ found on the driver's door interior and on the instrument panel, blood on the center console that matched OJ, blood on the steering wheel that matched OJ and Nicole, the blood on the center console matched OJ and Ron, which is the big one, I feel right. like. Oh my God. Because OJ is like, I don't know who that is. Right. Blood on the driver's side wall that matched OJ. Blood on the carpet that matched Nicole. Blood on the center console, I guess some more, that matched OJ, Nicole, and Ron. And it was said that there's just a lot of like blood samples that it just, I guess it would make sense, like maybe make sense with Nicole because it's like obviously it's her house, like her DNA obviously would come up and whatnot. But it's like, how would Ron's get in that car? Right. And that's a big question. They it's had. not like the Bronco was like dirty, if you know what I mean. It wasn't like mm-hmm. one of those cars where you're like, OK, OJ had to like clean it out every time someone needed to get in it type situation. Mm-hmm. It was pretty well kept. So the fact that there was blood in it at all. Yes. You know, and I feel like I will probably forget this by the time I get to the interview part. But I just want to mention that. It was notated that OJ had seven abrasions and three cuts on his left hand. And then we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so we're going to get into these autopsies real quick because I feel like it's really important to know how violent these crimes were for later discussions. Mm -hmm. So according to the autopsy reports, the perpetrator stabbed Nicole in the neck and cut her throat so deeply that the knife went into her cervical spine. The M.E. wrote that, quote, the incised wound of the neck is gaping and exposed the larynx and cervical vertebral column. The slice was five and a half inches by two and a half inches in length, cutting through the soft tissues of the neck and a quarter inch deep into her bone sparing the spinal canal and spinal cord. The medical examiner said that the stabs likely happened first. Then as Nicole lay on the ground, hopefully unconscious, the perpetrator lifted her head by the hair and did the cut that would end her life. The report also showed that other than the stab wounds to her neck, there were three other stab wounds in her scalp, as well as a blunt force injury to her head. 
There were a few defensive wounds on Nicole's hands, and the medical examiner would conclude this, you know, this shows that the attack only lasted a few minutes. Quote, I would say she died within a few minutes, probably less. These kinds of altercations can take place pretty rapidly. And they went on to say that the knife likely used was six inches long and had a single edge. Yet whoever wielded it did so in such a furious intent that he nearly decapitated Nicole. The nature of the stab wounds and the other injuries suggested that the murders began with the perpetrator quickly overpowering Nicole on the walkway outside of her house and stabbing her at least six times, leaving her on the ground stunned or unconscious. Fucking horrible. It's brutal. It is so brutal. That is like, that's not just like a robbery gone wrong. That's a very personal attack, in my opinion. Right. So. Oh, for sure. mm -hmm. Yeah, I was watching a documentary earlier today, and they showed autopsy photos and showed crime scene photos, and I was just like, Oh my god, like when they showed her her neck wound, I was just like it's horrible. Oh, oh my god. It's so deep. Literally, literally almost decapitated her. Just horrific. Now, Ron's report, it said between like over 15 times and then, you know, later it was concluded up to 25 times. He had stab wounds almost everywhere. He had injuries to his neck, face, ears, chest, thighs, hands, forearms, and abdominal area. And the autopsy report stated that while some of these injuries would have been non-fatal, the stab wounds to his neck and torso were ultimately what led to his death. It was also noted that there was damage to a major neck vein as well as his lung. The internal bleeding that Goldman had in his abdomen also left critical wounds. He didn't die without a fight either. There was dozens of defensive wounds found all over his body, mainly on his hands, face, and upper body. And so he was fighting hard to live. And the coroner said in the irregular edges of some of his knife wounds, one indicated a twisting of the weapon as if the victim was trying to wrestle himself free. And he stated that another one indicated that the head of the victim was moving away from the knife at the time of the plunge causing the ripping, like certain ripping of the skin and some Uh of his injuries. Like I said, the fatal wound stab wounds were to his neck, chest and abdomen, all of which could have been inflicted within a minute, according to the medical examiner. He said, he's stuck there, you're cornered. A minute is a long time. You can do 15 thrusts in about 15 seconds, he said. And he was demonstrating this to show like, yes, you really can do this so quick. Yeah, I was... uh that documentary showed a reconstruction where someone did it in 12 seconds, like the initial attack Mm -hmm. to get him to the ground. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously they're going to want to talk to OJ, especially with all this stuff, like all the blood, all the everything. And that's kind of where the bulk of this episode is going to be, because honestly, it it wouldn't have done it justice if I just summarized it. I've literally have, I have transcripts that we're going to kind of talk through. Love when Jess reacts. So we're going to have some reactions with this. (laughs) I don't, of course, have the whole interview, but I have a lot of it. The transcripts are available online, just how we found them. And you can see it on YouTube, things like that everywhere. Okay, so we have there was two detectives in there laying in Van Adder. 
Lang. Okay, I was like, I didn't put Lang on here because basically a lot of my stuff that like I'm it's going to be Vanatter talking to him mm-hmm. in this. So we're just going to go ahead and get started. So, of course, Vanatter asks, do you own that Bronco that sits outside? And he says, Hertz owns it and Hertz lets me use it because like we talked about, he's got like all these sponsors and stuff, right? So Vanatter says, so that's your vehicle, the one that's parked there on the street? Simpson says, mm-hmm. Vanatter, it is actually owned by Hertz. Hertz, yeah. So who's the primary driver on that, you? OJ says, I drive it. The housekeeper drives it. You know, it's kind of a Vanatter interrupts and says an all-purpose vehicle. So Simpson says, yeah, all-purpose. It's the only one that my insurance will allow me to let anyone else drive. And they say, okay. And Detective Lange says, when you drive it, where do you park it at home? Where it is now? It was on the street or something. And Simpson says, I always park it on the street. And so they're trying to ask, like, you never take it in the garage, like, you know, something like that. And Simpson says, oh, rarely. I mean, I bring it in and switch the stuff, you know, and stuff like that. I did that yesterday. And so they ask, you know, when did you last drive it? And he says, yesterday. And they said, what time? Simpson says, in the morning and in the afternoon. Vanatter says, okay, you left her, you're saying, at about 6.30 or 7, or she left the recital, meaning Nicole and all of them. Mm -hmm. And Simpson says, yes. Vanatter, and you spoke with her parents? OJ, yes, uh, yeah, we were sitting there talking. Vanatter, what time did you leave the recital? Right about that time, we were all leaving. We were all leaving then. Her mother said something about me joining them for dinner, and I said, no thanks. Vanatter, where did you go from there, OJ? Simpson, uh, home for a while, got my car for a while, tried to find my girlfriend for a while, came back to my house. And he's talking about Paula. Mm-hmm. Vanatter, who was home when you got home? Cato. Cato, anybody else? Was your daughter there, Arnell? No. Isn't that her name, Arnell? Yes. So what time do you think you got back home, actually? Physically got home? Seven-something. Seven-something, and then you left, and... Yeah, I'm trying to think. Did I leave? This is Simpson, by the way. You know, I'm always... I had to run and get my daughter some flowers. I was actually doing the recital, so I rushed and got her some flowers, and I came home. And then I called Paula, and I was going to go to her house, and Paula wasn't home. And that's when they clear, like, Paula's the girlfriend. And this is where I interrupt you to remind you, in the last episode, remember, Mm -hmm. according to Simpson's book, if I did it, he left during the recital to Mm -hmm. go get flowers. Yet, he tells a different story, literally to the cops the next day. Yes. OJ doesn't know how to keep a straight story. Mm -mm. So, to kind of skip ahead, they were talking about Paula, getting her name and her info, etc., etc. So, This next question from Vanatter is in regards to Paula. So you didn't see her last night? OJ, no, we had been to a big affair the night before, and then I came back home. I was basically at home. I mean, anytime I was, whatever time it took me to get to the recital and back, to get to the flower shop and back, I mean, that's the time I was out of the house. I just, where the fuck are the flowers then? And why wouldn't Mm -hmm. that put you at Nicole's house? Because... Sydney was at Nicole's house. Mm-hmm. Questions. Yeah, definitely. Vanatter asks, were you scheduled to play golf this morning someplace? Simpson, in Chicago. Vanatter, what kind of tournament was it? Simpson, uh, it was Hertz with special clients. Oh, okay. What time did you leave last night? Leave the house. Simpson, to go to the airport? Vanatter, mm-hmm. Simpson, 
about the limo was supposed to be there at 1045. Normally, they get there a little earlier. I was rushing around somewhere between there and 11. Benatter asked, so approximately 1045 to 11. Simpson, 11, yeah, somewhere in that area. Benatter, and you went by limo? Simpson, yeah. Who's your limo service? Uh, you'd have to ask my office. Lange, did you converse with the driver at all? Did you talk to him? Simpson, no, he was a new driver. Normally, I have a regular driver I drive with and converse. No, just about rushing to the airport and how I live my life on planes and hotels, that type of thing. Lange, what time did the plane leave? Uh, 1045, the flight took off. And they asked, like, what airline and all of that. And, like, you know, asking him his details again and again and again. And he says, you know, American, 1145 to Chicago. So they kind of, like, are circling back some in this. And later on, they continue. They circle back to the recital and ask him. Lange says, what time was the recital? Simpson said, over at, at about 630. Like I said, I came home. I got my car. I was going to see my girlfriend. I was calling and she wasn't around. Lange, so you drove the, you came home in the Royals and then you got back in the Bronco. Simpson, in the Bronco, because my phone was in the Bronco. And because it's, oh my God, apparently OJ's going to say Bronco 50 fucking times in one's like paragraph, but that's fine. (laughs) And because like, I'm just like, Jesus, let's play a game. Drink every time I say Bronco in this episode. Oh God, (laughs) you'll die. Because it's a Bronco. It's a Bronco. It's what I drive, you know. I'd rather drive it than any other car. And, you know, as I was going over there, I called her a couple of times and she wasn't there. And I left a message and then I checked my messages and there was no new messages. She wasn't there and she may have to leave town. Then I came back and ended up sitting with Cato. Lange. Okay. What time is this again that you parked the Bronco? Simpson. Eight something, maybe. He hadn't done a jacuzzi. We had went and got a burger and I came home and kind of leisurely got ready to go. I mean, we had done a few things. Lange, so you weren't in a hurry when you came back with the Bronco? Simpson, no. Like, you're in a rush, but you're not? We went and did murder. (sighs) Right? No fucking kidding. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, Lange, the reason I ask you, the cars were parked kind of at a funny angle, stuck out to the street. Simpson. Well, it's parked because I don't know if it's a funny angle or what. It's parked because I was hustling at the end of the day to get all of my stuff. I was getting my phone and everything off of it when I just pulled it out of the gate there. And it's like it's a tight turn. Lange. So you had it inside the compound then? Simpson. Yeah. Oh, okay. Lange says. Simpson then says, I brought it inside the compound to get my stuff out of it, and then I put it out, and I'd run back inside the gate before the gate closes. Why are you making your life so difficult if you're in such a rush? I'm confused. Because remember, just like 40 seconds ago, he said he wasn't, that he had. Mm-hmm. He, he is very conflicting. A leisure rush? <laughs> now. that just gave me anxiety just the thought of leisurely (laughs) rushing around Uh, so they do address the cuts and stuff that i mentioned on oj's hand and venatter says how did you get the injury on your hand simpson says i don't know the first time when i was in chicago and all but at the house i was just running around venatter how did you do it in chicago Simpson, I broke a glass. One of you guys had just called me and I was in the bathroom and I kind of went bonkers for a little bit. Lange, is that how you cut it? Simpson, mm, 
it was cut before, but I think I just opened it again. I'm not sure. Lange, do you recall bleeding at your truck at all in the Bronco? Simpson, I recall bleeding at my house. And when I went to the Bronco, the last thing I did before I left when I was rushing was went and got my phone out of the Bronco. Lange. Was it rushing? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And Lange says, where's that phone now? And Simpson says, in my bag. Lange says, you have it? And Simpson says, in that black bag. I'm assuming it was like one they had with it. Mm-hmm. And he said, Lange says, you brought the bag with you here? Simpson said, yeah, it's, Lange says, so do you recall the bleeding at all? Simpson, yeah, I mean, I knew I was bleeding, but it was no big deal. I bleed all the time. I play golf and stuff, so there's always something, nixed and stuff here and there. Lange, so did you do anything? Did you put a Band-Aid on it? Simpson, actually, I asked the girl this morning for it. Lange, and she got it? Simpson, yeah, because last night with Cato, when I was leaving, he was saying something to me, and I was rushing to get my phone. And I put a little thing on it and it stopped. Vinatter, do you have the keys to that Bronco? Simpson, yeah. Vinatter, okay, we've impounded the Bronco. I don't know if you know that or not. Simpson said no. And he said, uh, take a look at it. Other than you, who's the last person to drive it? Simpson, probably Gigi. When I'm out of town, I don't know who drives the car. Maybe my daughter, maybe Cato. Vinatter, the keys are available. Simpson, I leave the keys there, you know, when when Gigi's there because sometimes she needs it or Gigi was off and wasn't coming back until today and I was coming back tonight. So you don't mind if Gigi uses it or, and Simpson says, this is the only one I can let her use. She doesn't have her car because sometimes her husband takes her car, so I let her use the car. Lange, when was the last time you were at Nicole's house? Simpson, I don't go in. I won't go into her house. I haven't been in her house in a week. Maybe five days. I go to her house a lot. I mean, I'm always dropping the kids off, picking the kids up, fooling around with the dog, you know. Vanatter, how does that usually work? Do you drop them on the porch or do you go in with them? Simpson, no, I don't go in the house. Vanatter, is there a type of gate? Simpson says, yes. Vanatter says, but you never go inside the house. Simpson, up until about five or six days ago, I haven't been in the house. Once I started seeing Paula again, I kind of avoid Nicole. Vanatter, is Nicole seeing anybody else that you, Simpson? I have no idea. I really have absolutely no idea. I don't ask her. I don't know. Her and her girlfriends, they go out, you know. They've got some things going on right now with her girlfriends, so I'm assuming something's happening because one of the girlfriends is having a big problem with her husband because she's always saying that she's with Nicole until three and four in the morning. She's not. You know, Nicole tells me she leaves her at like one or one thirty or two or two thirty. And the girl doesn't get home until five, and she only lives a few blocks away. Interesting, because I thought she called and told him and confided in all of her relationship stuff with him. Apparently, but they don't talk, and he doesn't go and see her. So which is it? A man could not keep a story straight if he had a ruler. Yeah. Vanatter. Something's going on, huh? Lange, do you know where they went, the family, for dinner last night? Simpson, no, well, no, I didn't ask. Lange, I just thought maybe there was a regular place that they go to. Simpson, no, if I was with them, we would go to Toscano. I mean, not Toscano, Papani's. Vanatter, you've never had any problems with her lately, have you, OJ? Simpson said, I always have problems with her, you know. Our relationship has been a problem relationship. Probably lately for me, and I say this only because I said it to Ron yesterday at the Ron Fishman, 
whose wife is Cora at the dance recital, he came up to me and went, oh boy, what's going on? And everybody was beefing with everybody. And I said, well, I'm just glad I'm out of the mix, you know, because I was like dealing with him with his problems and his wife and Nicole and evidently some new problems that a guy named Christian was having with his girl and he was staying at Nicole's house and something was going on. But I don't think it's pertinent to this. What? Bring it up. (laughs) So there's this mysterious dude who's staying at Nicole's house, but you don't think that's pertinent? Dude, I would have been like, like, she was just murdered. Right. Like, I'd have been <laughs> like, have you checked out this dude? Like, that would have been, he's not even good at like throwing the cops off his own trail. No, not at all. Vinatter, did Nicole have words with you last night? Simpson, pardon me. Vinatter, did Nicole have words with you last night? Simpson, no, not at all. Vinatter, did you talk to her last night? Simpson, to ask her to speak to my daughter, to congratulate my daughter and everything. Vinatter, But you didn't have a conversation with her, Simpson. No, no. And they talked more about like his busy schedule, how he's like gone all the time, things like that. Skip past that because y'all already know. We already talked about his career and shit. (laughs) Okay, so moving along in this interview, because this is all this is all like in in one interview, too, by the way. And it's just like transcript pages after pages and pages of pages. Like it's so long. It lasts like, what was it? Almost a couple, like, was it almost two hours? If not longer. And just so that you know, like, OJ went in willingly. Yes. Basically, Mm -hmm. Lang and Van Adder were like, will you come down? And at the time, he, Howard, I think, it doesn't matter because Howard doesn't stay as attorney very long. But Howard's like, don't do it. And OJ's like, I'm going to do it. And then Howard's like, okay. And then OJ just goes down there without an attorney and he's having yep, this he's just by himself with yeah the two detectives so. <laughs> he's giving a statement to the detectives and he could literally spill anything out but there's no there's no representation no and you guys will be shocked that there was no representation because of what happens next so Vinader says to oj oj we've sort of got a problem simpson just says mm-hmm Vanatter, we've got some blood on and in your car. We've got some blood at your house and sort of a problem. Simpson, well, take my blood test. Bro. I don't think OJ Simpson knew about (gasps) DNA. Like, I really don't think he understood DNA. No. Lange said, well, we'd like to do that, obviously. We've got, of course, the cut on your finger that you aren't real clear on. Do you recall having that cut on your finger the last time you were at Nicole's house? Simpson, a week ago? Lange, yeah. Simpson, no, it was last night. Lange, okay, so last night you got, you cut it. Vanatter, somewhere after the recital? Simpson, somewhere when I was rushing to get out of the house. Vanatter, okay, after the recital. Simpson, yeah. Vanatter, what do you think happened? Do you have any idea? Simpson. I have no idea, man. You guys haven't told me anything. I have no idea. When you said to my daughter, who said something to me today, that somebody else might have been involved, I had absolutely no idea what happened. I don't know how, why, or what. But you guys haven't told me anything. Every time I ask you guys, you said you're going to tell me in a bit. Vanatter. Well, we don't know a lot of answers to these questions yet ourselves, OJ, okay? Simpson. 
I've got a bunch of guns, guns all over the place. You can take them. They're all there. I mean, you can see them. I keep them in my car for an incident that happened a month ago that my in-laws, my wife, and everybody knows about that. What was that? Vanatter asked. Simpson, going down to and cops down there know about it because I've told two marshals about it. At a mall, I was going down for a christening and I had just left and it was like 3.30 in the morning and I'm in a lane and also the car in front of me is going real slow and I'm slowing down because I figure he sees a cop because we were all going pretty fast and I'm going to change lanes, but there's a car next to me. I can't change lanes. Then that goes for a while and I'm going to slow down and go around him, but the car's butts up to me and I'm like caught between three cars. They were oriental guys and they were not letting me go anywhere. And finally, I went on the shoulder and I sped up and then I held my phone up so that they could see the light part of it, you know, because I have tinted windows and they kind of scattered. And I chased one of them for a while to make them think I was chasing him before I took off. Lange, were you in the Bronco? Simpson, no. Lange, what were you driving? Simpson. My Bentley. It has tinted windows and all, so I figured they thought they had a nice little touch. Lange, did you think they were trying to rip you off? Simpson, definitely they were. And then the next thing, you know, Nicole and I went home. At four in the morning, I got there to Laguna, and when we woke up, I told her about it, and I told her parents about it, told everybody about it, you know? And when I saw the two marshals at a mall, I walked up and told them about it. Vanatter, what did they do? Did they make a report on it? Simpson, they didn't know nothing. I mean, they'll remember me and they'll and remember I told them. Vanatter. Did Nicole mention that she was getting any threats lately to you? Anything she was concerned about or the kids' safety? Simpson. To her? Yes. Simpson. From? Vanatter. From anybody? Simpson. No, not at all. That's weird that you need clarification if it was not at all. Like, why wouldn't you just say no, not at all at first? <laughs> well, because <laughs> I think he was waiting for them to accuse him. I'm asking rhetorical questions. Oh, sorry. My bad. But I do want to point out, I thought it was interesting at the beginning of this little, like, thing that they have. He goes, oh, I have all these guns. You can take them. Knowing full well she's been killed with a knife. Exactly. He knows. I mean, they haven't told him, but he knows. So it's very easy to offer up a different type of weapon. That wasn't even involved. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was interesting. Yes. And so he, Vanatter asks about Nicole, saying, was she very security conscious? Did she keep the house locked up? Simpson, very. Vanatter, the intercom didn't work apparently, right? Simpson, I thought it worked. Vanatter, oh, okay, does the electric buzzer work? Simpson, the electric buzzer works to let people in. Vanatter, do you ever park in the rear when you go over there? Simpson, most of the time. Vanatter, do you park in the rear? Simpson, most times when I'm taking the kids there, I come right into the driveway, blow the horn, and she, or a lot of times the housekeeper, either the housekeeper opens or they'll keep a garage door open up top on the top of the thing, you know, and that's when I'm dropping the kids off and I'm not going in. Times I go to the front because the kids have hit the buzzer and stuff. Vanatter, did you say before that up until about three weeks ago, you guys were going out again and trying to... Simpson, no, we had been going out for about a year, and then the last six months we've had, it ain't been working. So we tried various things to see if we could make it work. We started trying to date, and that wasn't working, so, you know, we just said to hell with it. Vanatter, and that was about three weeks ago? Simpson, yeah, about three weeks ago. 
Vinatter. So you were seeing her up to that point, Simpson. It's it's seeing her, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a done deal. It just wasn't happening. I mean, I was gone. I was in San Juan doing a film, and I don't think we had sex since I'd been back from San Juan, and that was like two months ago. So it's been like for the kids, we tried to do things together, you know. We didn't really date each other. Then we decided let's try to date each other. We went out one night and it just didn't work. Oh, if you want to say something. Oh, I just was going to contradict him again because in his own retelling of this in his book, he talks Mm -hmm. about their breakup and basically how they break up is they go to her parents for Mother's Day weekend. Then they basically have this discussion that it's not really working and then they come back and they, they put the kids to bed and they're like, we're just done. And then they have sex. So they have mm-hmm. goodbye sex. So interesting. It's he can't even keep his own story. You know, really, OJ should have sat down with his transcripts when he met with his ghostwriter. <laughs> no fucking kidding. So Vanatter says, when you say it didn't work, what do you mean? Simpson, uh, the night we went out was fun. Then the next night we went out, actually, when I was down in Laguna, And she didn't want to go out. And I said, well, let's go out because I came all the way down here to go out. And we kind of had a beef. And it didn't work out after that. You know, we were only trying to date to see if we could bring some romance back into our relationship. We just said, let's treat each other like boyfriend and girlfriend instead of, you know, like a 17 year old married people. I mean, 17 years together, whatever that is. Then they go over their history and all of that. And Vanatter asks, 17 years. Did you ever hit her, OJ? Simpson. Uh, one night we had a fight. We had a fight and she hit me. And then they never took my statement. They never wanted to hear my side. They never wanted to hear the housekeeper's side. Nicole was drunk and she did her thing. She started tearing up my house, you know. I didn't punch her or anything, but I, been at her, slapped her a couple of times. Simpson, no, no. I wrestled her is what I did. I didn't slap her at all. I mean, Nicole's a strong girl. She's uh, one of the most conditioned women. Since that period of time, she hit me a few times, but I've never touched her after that. And I'm telling you, it's five, six years ago. And then they talk about how he gave Paula a bracelet and earrings he tried to give Nicole on her birthday and Mother's Day, but she like gave it back. So then he literally regifted it to Paula. Yeah, because like <laughs> he had them and he didn't want Paula to get like upset or some shit like that. And so he just gave them to her. Yes. And Simpson, during his, like, he actually says, I'm in a funny place here on this, all right? She returned it, both of them, three weeks ago or so. Because when I say I'm in a funny place on this, it was because I gave it to my girlfriend and it and told her it was for her. And that was three weeks ago. I told her I bought it for her, you know? What am I going to do with it? Like, Lord. And then they bring up a polygraph test. Because, you know, they're already getting blood, DNA, all this shit. They're, you know, might as well ask about a polygraph test. So right. Lange says, did Mr. Weitzman, your attorney, talk to you anything about this polygraph we brought up before? What are your thoughts on that? Simpson, should I talk about my thoughts on that? I'm sure eventually I'll have to do it. But it's like I've got some weird thoughts now. I've had weird thoughts. You know, when you've been with the person for 17 years, you think everything. I've got to understand what this thing is. If it's true blue, I don't mind doing it. What do you mean you have to think about it? She was murdered. (laughs) I just, yeah, no. (laughs) 
I'm just letting out all my commentary on this episode. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. Like, the commentary is needed. Like, a lot of the things that just, like, come out of O.J. Simpson's mouth, you're like, sir, no. No, that's not how we do things. Mm-hmm. You are literally a suspect. I mean, he says, like, at some point that he's a target and that he understands that. That's a great segue. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. This is a great segue for what happens next. Yes. So, Lange says, well, if you're not compelled at all to take this thing, number one, and number two, I don't know if Mr. Weitzman explained to you, this goes to the exclusion of someone as much as the inclusion so we can eliminate people and just to get things straight, Simpson. But does it work for elimination? Lange, oh yes, we use it for elimination more than anything. Simpson, well, I'll talk to him about it. Lange, understand, the reason we're talking to you is because you're the ex-husband. Simpson, I know, I'm the number one target. And now you tell me I've got blood all over my place. Lange. Well, there's blood at your house in the driveway, and we've got a search warrant, and we're going to go get the blood. We found some in your house. Is that your blood that's there? Simpson. If it's dripped, and uh, it's what I dripped running trying to leave. Lange says, last night? Simpson. Yeah, and I wasn't aware that it was. I was aware that I, you know, I was trying to get out of the house. I didn't even pay attention to it. I saw that when I was in the kitchen and I grabbed a napkin or something and that was it. I didn't think about it after that. Vanatter, that was last night after you got home from the recital when you were rushing. Simpson, that was last night when I was, I don't know what I was. I was in the car getting my junk out of the car. I was in the house throwing hangers and stuff in my suitcase. I was doing my little crazy what I do. I mean, I do it everywhere. Anybody who has ever picked me up says that OJ's a whirlwind. He's running, he's grabbing things, and that's what I was doing. Vanatter. Well, I'm going to step out and I'm going to get a photographer to come down and photograph your hand here. And then here pretty soon we're going to take you downstairs to get some blood for you, okay? I'll be right back. Lange. So it was about five days ago that you saw Nicole. Was that at the house? Simpson. Okay, the last time I saw Nicole, physically saw Nicole, I saw her obviously last night. The time before, I'm trying to think. I went to Washington, D.C., so I didn't see her, so I'm trying to think. I haven't seen her since I went to Washington. What's the date today? Lange says, it's Monday, the 13th of June. Simpson, okay. I went to Washington on maybe Wednesday. Thursday, I think I was in, Thursday I was in Connecticut, then Long Island Thursday afternoon, and all of Friday. I got home Friday night, Friday afternoon. I played, you know, Paula picked me up from the airport. I played golf Saturday, and then I came home, and I think my son was there. So I did something with my son. I don't think I saw Nicole at all then. Went to a big affair with Paula Saturday night, and I got up and played golf Sunday, which pissed off Paula. And I saw Nicole at, it was about a week before that I saw her at the dot 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 lange. Okay, the last time you saw Nicole was at her house? Simpson, I don't remember. I wasn't in her house, so it couldn't have been at her house. So it was, you know, I don't physically remember the last time I saw her. I may have seen her even jogging one day. Lange, let me get this straight. You've never physically been inside the house. Simpson, not in the last week. Lange, ever, I mean. How long has she lived there? About six months? Simpson, oh Christ, I've slept at the house many, many times, you know. I've done everything at the house. I'm just saying, you're talking about the last week or so. Well, whatever, Lange. <laughs> like, I was just like, what the fuck ever. <laughs> in the last six months that she's lived there? Simpson, I don't know, roughly. I was at her house maybe two weeks ago, ten days ago. One night, her and I had a long talk, you know, about how can we make it better for the kids, and I told her we'd do things better. 
And okay, I can almost say when that was. That was when I, I don't know, it was about 10 days ago. And when we, the next day, I had her have her dog do a flea bath or something with me. Oh, I'll tell you, I did see her one day. One day I went, I don't know if this was the early part of last week. I went because my son had to go and get something and he ran in and she came to the gate and the dog ran out and her friend Faye and I went looking for the dog. That may have been a week ago. I don't know. These are like, that's like a big event. If someone you supposedly love so much died and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, when was the last time I saw this person? When was the last time I saw them? Like you would think really hard and you'd get your story straight. But it's like he's purposely, and I'm going to say it, he's purposely like sticking weird points and timelines so that it's never like a, like you can't have a straight answer with him. No, no, it's very like zigzaggy. And you know what it reminds me of? Obviously, this is like way before, but it reminds me of how Casey Anthony with her lies and stuff Mm -hmm. gave so many extra details because. You know, it was that conversation of, oh, I'm over giving details. So, of course, this is the truth. Why would I make up like blah, 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 blah. But that's like, well, we know why, Casey. So I feel like it's very similar for that, for sure. And then after that, that's where the interview, you know, they they stopped this first interview and they waited for the photographer to come to get the pictures of his injuries. And that is where we're going to stop this episode for today. So, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back Monday with another part of our OJ case. Mm -hmm. Jess will have some stuff for us. And yeah, we will see you then. Bye, guys. Toodles. Toodles.